0: Christine Woodward transforms both businesses and attitudes in entrepreneurship by holding Fortune 500 executives and sole practitioners accountable during the execution phase. She's the founder of 19th & Co., a woman-led and a woman-owned consultancy known for its entrepreneurial and empowering culture. She joined me this week to discuss how her company empowers and emboldens businesses, specifically women-owned, to capture their own definition of desire and success. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. the program and I'm excited to talk all about business and uh, achieving our uh, dreams in business with you this afternoon. Great to see you and uh, thanks
1: for being here. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Kevin. Christine,
0: I know that you uh, work with businesses to try and get them to realize their fullest potential and you tell me that there is a way to achieve that. So I'm wondering if you could uh, kick off our conversation by uh, telling me how we can achieve our business goals successfully.
1: Yeah, you know, I think uh, being a bit of a broad question, so I'll I'll try to answer it as best as I can. But really, you know, our business goals are so much rooted in what we want our lifestyle to be and what we want and see our lives um, really being right. Um, especially as you know, as business owners, it's so much tied to to our personal lives. Um, at least from what I've experienced with my clients, and uh, you know whether it's a new um, business of five, or brand new, or five years old, or twenty years old, and they're maybe looking to exit. Um, you know, how much of it do you want it to be a lifestyle? Do you want to? Really ramp it up and scale it to be an empire, those sorts of things. But achieving those goals, so much of that takes confidence, and I see that just left and right um, in any one of my clients' needs. Uh, it, it's really the confidence, um, which comes from education, uh, you know, uh, about a certain topic in the industry or something, or you know, decisiveness about something. But again, all of that is stemmed from confidence. So. Um, yeah, achieving our goals really comes from confidence and having uh, enough resources that you can feel really confident in the decisions you're making.
0: Uh, absolutely. And you say that there are three uh, primary methods to turning our dreams into realities repeatedly. So can you
1: uh, share those with me this afternoon? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. So the three that I like to harp on, uh, the first is really of any goal that you've got, whether it's in your business or your personal life, is really, Um, jotting that down, like uncovering it, dusting it off in your mind and being decisive that you're going to move that one forward, whatever that goal um, uh, or step might be. The second is actually vocalizing it. So saying it out loud to strange to five, I say, 10 people, five strangers and five people, you know, Um, and that really makes it a reality for people. Um, It's, it's, it's really, I make it analogous to going into a dressing or into a store, um, and then actually grabbing the item off of the, the, the rack and taking it into the dressing room and trying it on, taking it off the rack is like jotting down and, and kind of committing to this idea that you want to move forward. Then going into the dressing room is very, and trying and actually putting it on is vocalizing it. So it is, it is going out and talking about it. And then the third step is, um, is really to start taking actions on those. So, right. Is it going up to the cash register and actually purchasing it? This is all in an analogy for it, or is it actually, um, you can't afford it right now. So you then put, you know, enact a strategy for saving for that item. Again, that's the analogy going out and getting that one item you've been wanting, but you know, when, if it has to do with in your personal life, going out and getting, you know, working out finally and walking around the block to launching a new business or a new service within your existing business, any one of those, those three steps is something that I, uh, push on my clients on a regular basis.
0: I'm also wonder, wondering, wondering your thoughts on how uh, to prioritize business priorities. Because I know for myself, anytime I want to make a big decision, you know, I try to go uh, go for a walk and try to uh, sort of uh, go through every. Pro and con of every business decision. So, how do you think we can uh, better get some business clarity when we're trying to make big business decisions?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question, and definitely something we all struggle with. Um, I th- I think the easiest, and I don't I don't say that lightly. Um, I think the the best way to go about doing that is is actually. Making certain you've got jotted down somewhere, or you know for yourself in your mind, which I tend to work so quickly, uh, what's in my mind gets you know flies out the other ear, and so you got to jot these things down. So what I'm at, what I'm suggesting is jotting down your big vision. You don't know your priorities without knowing your big vision, right? So it's really that starting point of what's the finish line? You know, where do you want to go with this thing? Um, like I was saying earlier, kind of is it that lifestyle business or is it the empire you want to build? And then it's working backwards from that. And that's how you can really uncover your priorities.
0: Yeah, I always tell pe- people when they ask me about this sort of stuff, what's your time frame? What are your resources? And how uh, productive do you want to be when you answer those three questions? You can provide some clarity,
1: right? That's awesome. That's a really good list. I like that a lot. I'm going to use that. <laughs> that's
0: uh, really Feel free without any commission, I promise. Okay, okay. <laughs> thanks. So you you also call yourself the change catalyst. I know that you've worked with uh, sole entrepreneurs and f- Fortune 500 companies. So tell me about the broad spectrum of people that you work with and having the ability to tailor uh, business expectations uh, depending on the group that you're working with.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. And you say group, I'll just reframe that a little. It's always an individual. And of course they have a group behind them because it's their business or something um, or their team. But um, you know, there's really not much of a difference between the two. It's it's the wild thing. It's, it's, it's the same comment I've heard someone mention in, in passing saying, you know, we're all working 40 hours a week or more. Uh, we're all working the same number of hours or we're all working you know, that the, the, the work day. So whether you're making $5 an hour or $500 an hour, whether you're at a fortune 500 company, or you're a solopreneur, um, it, you know, it, it kind of all comes down to the same issues that we all run into. And it's that lack of confidence. And, um, that's really the change catalyst that I speak to is, uh, helping you to reframe your thought process so that you can go out and attack you know that conference room of fortune 500 you know c-suites or the conference room of your team of five because you have a small interdesign business um, and really that's the change change catalyst that I, I coin myself as is and and what my clients would certainly um, coin me as as well
0: fabulous and I know all that you have uh... A, de- a definition of a real business owner, which isn't uh, typical. So I'm wondering if you could share that with me.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, you know, a business owner, I do so often business owners get bogged down in the as they should, and and rightfully so from the you know, launching of their business in the day-to-day, right? So that is how they built their businesses, being the point person on the day to day. But once you start growing and scaling your business, you start to move away from that. That naturally happens, of course, and you're, any owners are, who are listening certainly are, have experienced that. But what an owner should be ultimately and should be defined as and be seeing themselves as as that is the, uh, the conductor. So you can imagine a, an orchestra conductor standing up at the front, right? He's, he knows how to lightly play every one of those interests, instruments or at least know what goes into it he knows how to read the music he or she knows how to um, you know knows the cadence of that particular song Um, but by no means is an expert in any one of those or is actually going out into its you know orchestral seating arrangement and going and grabbing one of the instruments and playing it Um, maybe in practice they might but the point is is that's what a business uh, owner is and should be acting as is that conductor We
0: talked earlier about the big vision and I know that you also have some advice for business owners that want to push new initiatives over the finish line. So I'm wondering if we could uh, circle to that part of our conversation this afternoon.
1: Yeah, um, again, I think it goes back to, and my apologies for having those questions be a little uh, redundant, but it does, it goes back to the, the big vision um, and knowing which initiatives we should actually write. So it's really taking an inventory of all the initiatives you have, and they're just going to do a brain dump is what I call it. So you're going to brain dump all the initiatives onto a list, and then you're going to look at your big vision, hopefully, you know, or work on identifying what that big vision is, and then see which ones really help to move you you know, forward. I think so often business owners, um, and really anyone starts to chip away at their to-do list at the ones that are just low hanging fruit, the biggest fires, when those might, those are just kind of busy work and don't necessarily move you toward your big initiative. And so to stay focused, it is making certain you've got that big initiative in line. And that's how you can know which initiatives to then move over the finish line.
0: Absolutely. And you know, Christine, I I used to work in inclusive employment for people with disabilities. And one of the things that I found when trying to uh, secure employment for uh, individuals with disabilities is the importance of establishing uh, sustainable relationships, and the value of human connection. So I'm wondering your thoughts on the importance of uh, creating relationships that are lasting and dependable.
1: Yeah, I, and, and sorry, I just uh, what, what's the question in terms of how important those are? Yeah, just
0: how important yeah. uh, uh, forming a dependable relationships are.
1: Yeah. You know what it, it is as a consultant, um, you you have two choices. There's kind of two paths. You can go down, certainly the just B2B and you're in and out, but I really like to assimilate and get into a person's business and know that person because their business is an extension of them. And so knowing them, then I really do get to know their business and what, what decisions I know that they then would make be based on me knowing their personality. So it is, it's so, It's so true, Um, you know, we're in a time of DEI, you know, all inclusion, um, diversity, equity, you know, so much about that right now as well, that's come to the forefront, and I think it's wonderful, and it is, it's identifying, you know, all the aspects that people can bring to the table and not judging a book by its cover. And that's, that's really comes down to the heart of getting to know people.
0: Yeah, uh, you speak about getting to know people. I'm wondering, when you talk to business leaders, uh, how are they working to get through uh, the COVID period? How, In terms of recovery, when you talk to business leaders, what are they telling you about recovering from COVID?
1: Oh, yeah, that's... that's, specific to the interdesign design industry, which I do, I focused a lot of, that's certainly my expertise. So the design industry in general, they got a little bit of a way with it because they were part of the construction industry. So they were considered essential for, for about 50% of COVID where the rest of the individuals were uh, remote, but they were still remote. And that experience, um, you know, I think it taught efficiency and focus, but it, did lose the sense of connectivity in one respects, but another aspect, and I, I'm getting my MBA at Johns Hopkins. And so we're doing a lot of remote classes. And, uh, you know, what it does do is actually gives you a window into their world too. You know, babies and dogs are coming into the picture. And so there's, there, that is the silver lining there. There has been an opportunity for owners to get to know their team on a, actually a much more personal level because they're literally seeing inside their homes and seeing all the extremities that are kind of popping on in and out of the screen so um, while it's caused a little more pro, you know physical distance it's actually caused also some more personable um, interaction and get to knowing uh, getting to know their team members
0: yeah uh, and do you think working from home is going to be the wave of the future uh, in terms of going back back to work on a full-time basis
1: yeah yeah um sadly, no, we're all too deeply ingrained. You know, companies have their uh, leases on their buildings. Uh, Likely it didn't line up with the, with COVID, you know, their, their lease isn't just up right now or during COVID. um, Likely they're five or 10 year leases. So they're, those leases are not going anywhere. And our methods are deeply ingrained. Like I said, it really is. Um, I think they're going to offer a little bit more hybrid, but In my expert opinion, it's going to wear off in about a year's time and we'll all be back to exactly where we were.
0: I have to tell you, I've done uh, this podcast since uh, May of last year and I've done too many Zoom calls to remember. (laughs) I'll never uh, take for granted the value of human connection again, I'll tell you that much.
1: It really is, it really is. There's so much truth in that for sure. And tell me, um, outside of work, Kristen,
0: what do you like to do for fun? I know you live out there in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area. So when you're not working, what do you like to do for fun?
1: Yeah, well, I've got two little kids, a three and a half year old and a six year old. So they certainly keep me busy. So there's not much free time, I would well, say. Well, I mean, you
0: don't have to say anything else. No, I'm
1: yeah, right. Yeah, that's it right there. That's my free time, my kids, which I, I wouldn't have it any other way. My kids and my husband and it's it's great, you know. So, yeah. So what do you, what do you, what do you do in terms of family time? What do you guys Oh, do? right. What do we actually do? Um, yeah, besides keeping up with life and getting ready for the next week, uh, you know, that's we do really like true. to get out, have them practicing their bike riding. Um, we try to get to the pool as often as we can to, you know, obviously teach them how to swim, but then uh, just get that sun and, um, try to be outside as much as possible. And I think that's probably a, a result of COVID also. Right. Um, when we're in the office, you have to commute to the office, first of all, so you're getting out of your house, and then you're maybe going to lunch, and the efficiency of being at home and working from home has been great, but it doesn't get us out of the house much, except for when I go pick up my kids from school, so yeah, I think we're really trying to get out of the house and do as many things. We take hikes, those sorts of things, which, which are wonderful here in the Bay Area.
0: Absolutely. interested, That I'm wondering if you've given any thought to what you want your uh, personal or professional legacy to be defined by.
1: Oh, my life's work.
0: Pretty much,
1: yeah. Wait yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'd I'd love to be known by, um, in terms of my life's work. It is um, is my my passion project, which is called the Judy Project. Um, it is a confidence revolution to help teach and train. Uh, women in particular, but you know, really anyone suffering from a lack of confidence, which is runs pretty rampant in the female community. Um, but really, a world tour of teaching women the skill of confidence, and if nothing else, the idea that confidence is a skill and that there can be uh, therefore can be acquired.
0: Absolutely, and tell me uh, if people want to get connected with you. What's the best way they can do that? Yeah
1: please do. I'd love to share with your listeners, my direct email address, um, whether you're a small business owner or want to talk about confidence, I'm here for you and lo- would love to have a you know, strategy chat. My email address is C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E at one 9 And that's stands for 19th and co the consultancy where you can also find the Judy project.
0: Fantastic. Christine, I'm better for talking to you. I feel uh, smarter than I did when I started this conversation. So I really <laughs> <You're fine. laughs> want to thank you for providing your insights and perspectives and for joining me this afternoon. It's most appreciated.
1: No, thank you, Kevin. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for the insightful questions and deep conversation.